Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Nile Nine podcast. It's myself, Nilburn, and Andrea Cleary here. How are you doing? Uh, we are sweltering in the lovely August daytime sunshine at the moment in Dublin City, Ireland. And this episode is all about Beyonce and Renaissance, the seventh studio album from Beyonce that came out about ten days ago. Uh, we've been taking some time with it and taking our time to feel out how we feel about it while we think about what she, uh, Beyonce is offering on Renaissance, how it stacks up in terms of her discography, how we feel about it personally, um, and how how it's going to, I mean, as uh, Beyonce is the cultural force that she is, and pretty much pop culture stops when Beyonce does something, how uh, this will translate into the wider world of, of pop culture. Um, Andrea, I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to say about it, because last time we did talk very briefly last week, about the album and our best of the month um, podcast. And uh, you were not really 100% sure on it, but I'm definitely uh, as someone who has written a, uh, a paper about Beyonce in the past. I'm definitely interested to hear what you think about it now that you've had some time to sit with it, especially considering you really were not the, sure about the album. My views on Beyonce as an artist has gone through a bit of a renaissance. Um, and not necessarily in a bad way but I feel differently about her as an artist now than I might have in 2016 when Lemonade came out which is her last album proper and was the album that I wrote about in that um in that dissertation particularly around um her involvement with the Black Lives Matter movement and been talking a lot with uh, your friend and mine, Denise Chyla, around this album as well. We've been voice noting each other, our reactions, and even we're chatting in the lead up to a coming out and chatting about Break My Soul. And I think the two of us have kind of similar issues with it and like similar things with it as well. So shout out to Denise, who has kind of also helped me, you know, talk through some of this stuff because like I do love Beyonce and I've loved, Be I've been a Beyonce fan for 
you know, 20 years. Um, and it is interesting when an album comes out that maybe challenges how it is you listen to an artist's work and how much of it you need to park in order to enjoy it, how much of their celebrity impacts um, and their wealth, certainly, which is something I'll talk about today, um, impacts your enjoyment of the work um, and how much of how much effort you might have to put in to separate all of those things. Um, so yeah, I think Beyonce is incredibly interesting in that way. Um, so unsurprisingly, I will probably be giving a bit more of like the social or cultural side, or at least my take of, of that on this. And you are going to talk us through the samples, um, and all of the different, uh, interpolations and sampling that she did on this record, which I think is a, a good split. So that's kind of your background for the album and, and what you're coming to it with. Um, from my perspective, I guess, you know, I'm, a, um, I'm, I'm more interested in the phenomenon and, and I, I like some of the tracks. I don't have a, I think I've had a deeper association with Beyonce since, uh, we started doing this podcast together, certainly, um, talking about Beychella and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's really, um, deep in my understanding of her as an artist and her as one of the innovators. And I think, Renaissance, of course, is an album that, um, if you've been listening to it, you will notice the, it is heavily inspired and, uh, takes from queer culture and more specifically ballroom culture as well. Um, so there's a lot of references to that kind of, especially New York City kind of, uh, gay uh, underground club culture of, um, you know, where, there are houses and people uh, vogue and pose and do dances against each other. Um, she credits her uncle Johnny uh, in the credits, uh, a gay man she credits in the liner notes, actually, for uh, who's also mentioned in the song Heated, uh, Uncle Johnny Made My Dress. Uh, as Who's actually her cousin, um, but he, he, he went by Uncle Johnny. Okay. Um, so he, uh, he was around in, in the early nineties uh, and when they were children and uh, he passed from an AIDS related illness in the late nineties in the liner notes, she says um, about the album itself, because this is the most direct thing you're going to hear from Beyonce herself about the album, this three act project. Now there has only been one act. So I presume I, I have a feeling that one of these acts is going to be a visual um, thing. And I'm sure the kind of ballroom thing could be underscored in that way. Anyway, so she says this React uh, project was recorded over three years during the pandemic. Time to be still, but also time I found to be the most creative. Creating this album allowed me to a place to dream and to find escape during a scary time for the world. It allowed me to feel free and adventurous in a time when little else was moving. My intention was to create a safe place, uh, a place without judgment, a place to be free of uh, perfectionism and overthinking, a place to scream, release, feel freedom. It was a beautiful journey of exploration. I want to give a special thanks. Uh, so she starts thanking a lot of people and then says, big thank you to my Uncle Johnny. He was my godmother and the first person to expose me to a lot of the music and culture to serve as inspiration with this album. Now, later on, we will be going through some of the samples um, because there's quite a lot of, especially particularly American house, uh, Chicago house, uh, Detroit techno kind of um, references, more, more Chicago and Miami stuff, really. And it's kind of like that's where house uh, music started. That's uh, often in, especially in American culture, doesn't really get its dues in terms of dance music and uh, it, as a, as a historical movement. And it is interesting that somebody like Beyonce is exploring that. Now there are questions, obviously, around that, the validity of it, whether somebody can actually um, 
do that and do it justice if as a 40 year old, you know, married woman who's a massive billionaire, as we discussed last week. Um, so those are questions that are there, but. And know, as we will discuss today. <laughs> yes, indeed. So. Pre-warning. <laughs> so where do you want to go from there? I mean, you know, it's a. Hmm. It's, well, I guess I, I, I'd like to know what your um, just sort of overall um just what you think? I mean, do do you like this album? I think we haven't we haven't really touched yeah. on that yet. Do you like it? I do. I do like the album. I do find mm. the more I listen to it, the more I feel like I kind of wish it was actually just more of that one style. Because I think what Beyonce always does is she filters things into her own style. And what I love that it's you know designed to be made uh, to listen to like a, a DJ mix in the way that things are seamlessly transitioning into each other. But there's still some of those songs on the album that are like. Oh yeah, this is the this is the sunny pop song, which is like the the track um Cuff It with Niall Rogers on guitar. Yeah. You know, it, one of my least favorites. Yeah, it's definitely the one of the lightest on the album. It's got the full like you, you don't even have to I don't even have to play it for you because you'll know when I say Niall Rogers guitar what that sounds like. <laughs> and you can pretty much hear it in your head before you uh, Sheila E also uh from uh who's uh played with Prince a lot and and uh, an artist in her own right, also apparently, uh, is credited with percussion on that song. It's very much the big first, it's not a big pop moment, not the way, in the same way that on Kendrick's Mr. Morale, um, that song that you didn't like, uh, comes in and you're like, oh yeah, this is the, this is the single or uh, that has to be released for radio, you know? So, um. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Because it, it sort of, Cuffet sort of occupies a similar space on this album. As that Kendrick Lamar song, which was yeah, it's the third one song two, four I in, I think as well. Four, yeah, um, but it's not the big radio play grab. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't really sound like it belongs on the radio right now. In, um, in the same way that Break My Soul or Alien Superstar or um, or Summer Renaissance do feel like they are, you know, that they belong on the radio right now. Um, yeah, Cuff It is, is, is a strange one for me. It's, it's one that I just find myself just skipping over. I'm not, I'm just not that interested in it. If it came out maybe 10 years ago, I might have felt differently about it, but it did feel like a way for her to collaborate with Niall Rogers, which I guess just felt overdue at this stage. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that. Um, what are, what are some of your favorite moments on it? Did you well, have, I just um, want to continue that thought and just say, you know, in the oh. same way that I, I like a lot of the clubby stuff. I do like a lot of the clubby stuff. I think it works really well. I think the, the people that Beyonce, or I, and we've talked about this before in terms of like, uh, uh, we've actually talked about it with Kanye as a creative producer or someone who brings people together, a connector of, people and how it's so fascinating to listen to albums like this when there's so many people involved not in a negative way but just because you can hear different ideas being pulled in and it's kind of like this massive project that happens and and there's something really interesting the alchemy about those kind of um projects are really interesting but what that usually means is when there's so many people involved is that like you get a, a co-write track with Drake, Heated, which sounds like a Drake song. Um, and, and he's obviously been doing a bit more the housey, house and Jersey club kind of influence music on Honestly, never mind his recent album. And the whole OVO team are present on that song, Heated. Um, you've got All Up In Your Mind, which is kind of more like a AG Cook produced track, which is a kind of hyper poppy stuff. Then the kind of plastic off the sofa, uh, a much more jazzy 
uh, vocal anyway, um, and certainly a bit softer instrumentation. I do really like when it is kind of like the club tracks. I think they work really well. But like I said, Beyonce is always going to like filter everything into her own style. There's plenty of kind of trap and rap here. There's plenty of that kind of stuff. Like if you, on one of the tracks, she says, on my MPC making disco trap. And that's kind of what a lot of this album sounds like. It is, um, it does fit that kind of mold. It's very much like it's, it's rapping, it's beats, it's uh, New Orleans bounce music as well. It's undeniably like, it's hard to escape those kind of references if you're familiar with them. And even if you're not, you can recognize those sounds that are kind of all over this record, especially with the, um, the beats, especially, uh, and a lot of the samples. Now there is a lot of samples on this album and we will talk about some of the more, um, well, less well-known ones probably in a bit, but I really, I do love, I love tracks like Cozy, Alien Superstar, um, like Church Girl wouldn't be my favorite, but it is interesting the way that it kind of is. Here's the gospel-y one, and, but it also brings in elements of that kind of um, bounce stuff as well, which I think is really interesting. Mm. Pure and Honey and um, Summer Renaissance, obviously sampling um uh, I Feel Love, of course, by uh, Donna Summer and Georgia Moroder. Um, they are, it's really interesting to hear somebody like Beyonce do that song. A, an iconic mm. track, one that is totally, you know, like probably one of the best songs of all time. And and I think it's really interesting when somebody like Beyonce interpolates that and does something interesting with it. And, you know. I'm never mad when a, a good song is sampled, really. Um, and I think it's really interesting. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, like Grace Jones is on this as well. Uh, previously said she would not um, uh, participate on a Beyonce album or anything like of the sort, but seems to have softened her tune the last few years. Um, she is on Move, which is very much like a club entrance kind of song. Um, let me play a bit of Move, actually, here. So um, Beyonce, again, like we've talked before about like her rapping as well, and she's really doing a lot more of that. Her vocals are at their best. She's she's only getting better, I think, in terms of her range and her what she can do with her voice. Like I said, Plastic Off the Sofa, very jazzy kind of vocals going on there. There's a lot of ad-libs and stuff, um, but she is well able to do whatever she wants here. Spoken word, uh, rap. Uh, singing whatever it is she does it in her own style and she does it like no one else mm. yeah i i agree um with everything there i mean uh, particularly on the on her vocals throughout this record i think this is definitely the most vocally diverse we've heard her be on a record um we already know and we've known for a very very long time that she can sing um fully agree that she's only getting better um and as a live performer she's I mean, she's basically unmatched. Um, she's been, I, re I remember one of, one of the earliest things I remember about Beyonce was seeing 
just a little piece on on MTV or it might have been TRL or something um, about how she trains for her live shows and that she does her vocal exercises on a treadmill so that she's able to like move and exert herself a lot while still being able to still being able to sing and it's one one of the earliest memories I have of seeing anything about about how Beyonce kind of you know about her behind the scenes sort of training and since then I've always thought about her as a as a singer as just being one of the most I mean, talented, yes, but very, very hardworking, very committed to using her voice well. Um, and I think on this album, we we do really hear her let go and let loose, try on different sounds. She's rapping a lot more. She's speaking a lot more. She's putting in little whoops and yelps, and she's she's trying on these these different voices and. They work for her, I think. Um, I think she sounds great vocally all across this record, um, particularly alongside Grace Jones. I, th- I think the two of their voices together on that track just sound just really cool and slick. And I love that. I really love that. Um, yeah, surprisingly enough, I- I'm also um, much more of a fan of the the, the more upbeat, heavily club focused uh songs on this record um un- unlike you though i i love uh church girl i'm i'm a really big fan of that song i think it's probably it might be the most playful um and i like the juxtaposition of you know good church girls and getting down and dirty in the club but also there's a sense that you know, the kind of dancing that these girls are doing that she's describing that there is nothing inherently unholy about that. Um, and there's something in it. I, I think there's some kind of commentary about black women's bodies in particular and about how they are sexualized, especially when dancing by people looking at them, uh, when all they're doing is just moving their bodies in a joyful way to music. Um, and I like, I like that kind of juxtaposition juxtaposition between the kind of you know the the heavy christianity of going to church every sunday and being a good girl and what that means for a a a black woman's body or black girl's body and then just letting go and dancing which can also be i guess you know a holy thing if um if you go in for all that that stuff so yeah i do really really like that um that track and i think overall i feel I do feel pretty positively about this album in terms of how it sounds. I I think it is a brilliantly produced album. There are some, you know, vocal harmony moments, I think particularly on Alien Superstar and on, uh, on the last track, Summer Renaissance that are genuinely euphoric. You know, they, they do tap into that, that dance floor feeling of euphoria where everything seems to, click into place everything is interlocked everything is happening at the right time and you can really let yourself go and i think she interprets that really well with her with her vocals um this album is you know structured to reflect time dancing on a dance floor there's a little bit of time for you to kind of you know chill and have a break go and get a drink or whatever and and then come back and and end obviously with the with the donna summer i feel love um moment and i like how it's paced it's a really strong ending and i like how it's paced and i like that donna summer is is um is interpolated at the end 
just for anyone who doesn't know, there's there's a lot of talk about um, interpolation versus sampling um, around this album. And just in case anybody doesn't know, um, interpolation is basically taking the melody um, of a song or taking the bones of a song and you you as the artist performing it versus sampling uh, means actually taking, you know, the the music itself and, and working around it. There are different copyright laws behind those two things. Um, I think I spoke a bit about it on the Taylor Swift episode um, around the kind of the complicated co- copyright laws around that. But needless to say, it's a lot easier to clear interpolations than it is sampling. Um, so if you're interested in that, maybe listen to the Taylor Swift episode, but also it's just very interesting to look into in terms of music copyright law. Um, so there is a lot of interpolation on this record, um, which I think is largely warranted. Um, yeah, those are all my my positive feelings, I think. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not that I have negative feelings per se, but I think... They're not readily identifiable, mm, maybe? Mm, I've been struggling a bit with... Um, I've been going through something, as Kendrick might say, um, with Beyonce. And I think it it has to do with a few different things. One is how I've changed as a listener since her last big release, um, which was Lemonade. Um, and the other is to do with wealth, I guess, which is probably not surprising given that, you know, I've spoken about my issues with Break My Soul uh on this podcast already but i think you can't avoid the kind of the the anti-capitalist sentiment of a song like break my soul um which as i've said before is an issue considering her wealth um considering that she recently crossed a workers picket to host a grammys party um and i think listening to this record across the record there is I think a sort of a hypocritical consumerist capitalist message elsewhere. Um, like the, she mentioned the bag, the brands, uh, Telfer and Birkin. Yeah. In summer Renaissance. There's and it, that caused name drops here for labels, isn't there? Yeah. But her mentioning those two bags, um, caused the searches for, um, their names to like have a sharp spike. Uh, in like the Google trends and also um, on bag rental sites and on secondhand bag sites. Right. So, you know, this, this people who can't afford to buy these bags like Beyonce um, are hearing that and thinking, Oh, I could rent them. And Hey, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Rent your bags. Um, in fact, do rent them because it's better for the environment. But, um, but that to me is interesting, right? Um, that that is the effect that Beyonce can have in terms of her role as a kind of a consumerist influencer. Um, like this is a woman who has done Tiffany campaigns, right? She doesn't need to buy her own jewels or her own designer handbags or her own diamonds. <laughs> you know, her status as an influential billionaire affords her the luxury that she plays with on this record. It affords her the luxury of being able to have eight, nine, ten different songwriters credited on an on a song, um, so that they can all get paid. Um, 
I think I wouldn't care about any of that. Beyonce's always been very capitalist. Um, her her brand of feminism has always been within that world. Um, being an independent woman, or you know, women running the world, all of these things. This has always been part of her. But I guess my problem is that when you are paying homage to queer ballroom culture, particularly in the 80s, which is a culture that was mostly made up of working class queer people, people who were culturally and economically oppressed, it makes it more difficult for me to hear lyrics like, it should cost a billion to look this good coming from her, given that she has a billion <laughs> to look that good, but she doesn't even have to spend it. You, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's her performing in the tone of queer ballroom culture is jarring because while, while that style, while that sense of opulence, and while that kind of, you know, dressing up and references to designers and to wealth and to, to, well, to opulence is very much part of that coming from Beyonce, it's different because she is part of that culture. She is a billionaire, you know, she's part of that. So that just, it does jar a little bit with me. Um, and yeah, you can say it's all in good fun or it's all in the tone, but it like, should a capitalist like Beyonce be making anti-capitalist music? Um, is that complicated further when it's done through homage to a particularly historically vulnerable community? And is Beyonce really the person that is best placed to speak on, on pleasure activism, given its, um, given its history with kind of marginalized and, and, and oppressed groups? Like, like she's got lines that are, it's not the diamonds, it's not the pearls, I'm that girl. Okay, fine, but you still have the diamonds and the pearls, right? Like, what, what, what exactly does that mean coming from Beyonce? Like, even her description of the pride flag, you know, she goes through every color of the pride flag on Cozy. Even that references yellow diamonds and couture gowns. And I'm like, Beyonce, <laughs> like, there are other ways, there are other things in the world that you can reference. There are even interesting ways to explore opulence without actually first, just like name checking. Cause that was actually the first well, thing just I name noticed. checking. I know it was on listen to the album the very first day. And I was driving down to, was it all together now? And I was like, God, mm. there's a lot of fucking drops and uh, name drops of, uh, of fashion brands. Mm. And it's like, I know there always has been, but like, it just felt like a roll call. But it's different like, here, well, right? Yeah. It's, it, like, it's, it's, diff it does, it's different it's because of what she's what it's talking about, the kind of culture it's mm. supposed to be representing. Yeah. So. I yeah. It's because she's, you know, she's this, this is her. This is the like I think with every album, with every Beyonce album, there's been a sense that she is playing, you know, a character within that album. She's very rarely extremely personal. I, I guess the closest we got to that was um, was Lemonade, but even even still, that was that that was still a kind of a black music history lesson. Like a lot of of what she's done in the past has been she is a music historian she is a collector she is a crate digger and that's fully apparent on this record like it's not new she alluded to kind of 1960s black stars on her debut record on b-day it was the 70s it was black college marking marching bands on homecoming and her as you know this student of black musical history 
you know, people have been pointing that out for a while. Um, and she is definitely well-placed to bring these histories into the mainstream, if that is the intention. But I think Renaissance being her most overtly histori historical record to date, it works because it rewards people with who have an understanding of that history. And it invites people who don't have an understanding of that history to investigate it further. But where... Where, where I think there's a little bit of criticism that you can level at it is that she does these things through character. And if she is playing the character of somebody who is, you know, embracing pleasure activism, who is in the club, who is part of queer ballroom culture in the 1980s, who is, you know, who is oppressed, who is working nine to five, all of these things, that to me is different than her playing the character of a 1960s starlet or a 1970s starlet or whatever that might be. It's, it, it, it is a community that she is both within and outside. You know, it's part of black musical history in America. Um, so, you know, this is, it's part of her, her, her remit to, investigate and explore that but it's also not part of her history she's not as far as we know a queer woman she did she doesn't you know belong to these spaces and from what i've seen these the people in these spaces have embraced this but it's just the if there was a few less references to handbags and to diamonds and to expensive champagne and to her being a billionaire and just, just the, like the overwhelming wealth references. I, I think I would enjoy it a bit more just every time she has one. I just think, mm, okay. Like, yeah. I mean, you're therefore you're, you're constantly distancing yourself from your listeners in that regard. You yeah. Know, like, or you're, or you're, <laughs> you're, you're dressing up as someone who is interacting with wealth and opulence in a way that is camp in a way that is coming from a working class perspective. And, but, but her doing that as a person of wealth and opulence just feels strange. I'm like, it, it, there's, there's just something that doesn't connect there for me. And I know Beyonce is here to give us the anthems, right? She's there. Like, and I've, I've been such a fucking white girl about Beyonce since the beginning, you know, single ladies, hurrah, like who run the world. I, I get that a lot of her, uh, political statements in her music is pretty surface level, but here there is an attempt to really, really, really go deep into an aspect of black musical history in America that is underrepresented and often misrepresented and misappropriated by white queer culture. And she does such a good job of it that the fact that she just misses on that wealth thing is so much more disappointing to me. Um, that there, there is this economic cultural blind spot that comes from being a billionaire that just causes you to completely misread the intersection between the culture that you're trying to represent and you as an inherent oppressor of that culture. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And that's what's bothering me. <laughs> well, I can give you... <laughs> they're, I mean, they're still bobs, but... Yeah. Mm. I mean, like we talked last week, we won't go too much into it, about the um, Khalees uh, milkshake sample mm. and how 
Um, oh, that's that thing is constantly unfolding. I don't even know what to think anymore. Jesus. <laughs> well, it seems like keep up with it. It's it was uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, Khalees, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Khalees's uh, milkshake was used um, or interpolated, maybe, or a beat was used mm. in the song. Well, it's gone now. <laughs> yeah, it was in Energy. Uh, it's no, no longer there. But um, yeah, I don't really know what. Oh, sorry, it was in. Yeah, am I right? Was that in, yeah, it was energy. it was an yeah. energy, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was. Um, and it's really hard to tell. I don't. It know, was an like, interpolation. It's very yes, difficult to hear it, but it is what it is. It is the Neptunes, and they were apparently gave their blessing. But there's a, this goes back to a historical thing with Khalees and the Neptunes, where they agreed mm. to give her uh, songwriting credits and uh, publishing royalties, but they never did. I think, and I think that's why mm. it all comes back to ultimately a bad. Um, you know, not even deal perhaps, but just something that never happened or some a way that Killies as a black woman got shafted and here she is again in a way uh, going, well, this is nothing new. I'm just, I'm not being credited because, you know, this is the way the deal was set up. So I'm not even part of the, mm. you know, conversation, even though it's my name on the track. So anyway, the song is yeah. been removed um, as well. And it's just like the other misstep she had um, with Heated as well, uh, using Enablist, uh, slur uh, ableist language in uh, so surprising in that yeah. and especially that the it was that really after, like, like a fucking week ago or whenever it was lizzo. with lizzo like exact come on word. and, and like, it's not like lizzo's not also a global superstar like that had to come across something like if not beyonce's desk yeah someone's desk and it's not you like know it's like beyonce has to thousands of people who worked in the kid and asked them to like and, and no, put in a like, contact support and be like, hi, oh, yeah, I'll wait two days for a response. And it's like, actually, I need to yeah. change that track. And like, okay, I have to wait four days. It's like, somebody can do this for her in an instant. So oh my God, yeah, ridiculous like, that it took her. A again, a misstep. Um, I think it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, that there's definitely issues there. I think, as we say, musically, I feel like this really does, it does pay homage to what it is trying to do because it uses these very deep samples okay obviously you know summer renaissance is a great track and it uses one of the most like a very popular song but it does it in a really good way and um, i agree yeah i yeah, think it's not it, lazy you know it's, it's not lazy at really all. It's fun not like, well, really i mean good. it would be so easy to just put get the instrumental for i feel love and just stick uh and get have beyonce singing over it riffing over but it doesn't mm. do that it does something um more interesting than that and i think that's really good um let's have a listen actually to summer renaissance then and uh and have a listen here's the sample actually i'll start with this because i'm going to delve into the samples a bit now so here is uh, okay. i feel love now summer coming into summer renaissance
So that is obviously Summer Renaissance and uh, the original there, uh, I Feel Love by Donna Summer and Georgia Moroder. Um, it does it really well. It's the last track on the album, track 16. Um, interestingly, I guess this, uh, did you hear the remix that came out uh, maybe yesterday or the day before? The Queen's remix of Break My Soul? Uh, interestingly, it, it, it is a, basically a mashup kind of remix with Madonna's Vogue. This is the Vogue one. Yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. it's kind of interesting because it is like, um, here is the two most foremost examples of uh, mainstream pop culture um, referencing or plundering uh, ballroom culture. And we have the two mm. of them. They released uh, a mashup of the two of them, like the two most obvious things. So here we go. Here's This is the one that just came out. So as you can hear there, the, um, Beyonce is does reference some um, very prominent uh, black uh, artists as well there in that remix. That is the Queen's remix, which... Uh, uh, A real course correction for that song, I think. <laughs> like very... Obviously, Vogue is also just one of the most iconic songs of all time. But yeah, I mean, if it came out today... Yeah, it would be a problem. Reference the, <laughs> do you hear my cat screaming? Oh, no. No. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, of course, correction, you know, a, 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 an homage or a nod to the fact that black women are also important to this particular genre, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. And Lizzo is mentioned in that. Lauren Hill, as you mentioned, Grace Jones. Grace Jones, Grace Jones mentioned twice just because. Uh, Santi Gold as well, which is, uh, you know, nice addition. And then. It is there. Anyway, um, I think that's kind of like the, uh, speaks to a little bit of the kind of queasiness of that when you kind of divorce what the actual culture of that music is away. So you're having two massive artists not having a conversation with the music that they actually, um, are claiming to lift in a way. So, mm. but most of the time on this album, there is lots and there's things, there's tracks that are sampled here that are just, they're deep cuts, you know, they're deep, deep cuts. So mm -hmm. if you look at it, uh, let's take, yeah, I'm excited to hear about these. Yeah. So let's take cozy, um, first because there's a, there's lots of house references on this. Also, uh, track two and three, um, are feature, uh, production by uh, honey Dijon, a black trans, our house, uh, artist who has been doing very well, uh, for, a long time now, but, um, it is definitely the first time that, uh, Honey Z John has got the nod, um, in terms of, uh, other than, uh, well, was, did a remix for, um, Julipa as well. So, um, that is interesting because, uh, has never worked with a, a Beyonce level before. Um, so, mm -hmm. and also Green Velvet, who a lot of people would know as, uh, one of the Chicago house, um, producers. He had a tracks like, uh, Camera and, uh, Oh God, they're great. So I remember hearing that kind of, uh, uh, like really funny 
kind of silly uh, music at the time, I thought, when I was, when I was like 15 or 16. And just loving the singles and that kind of stuff. The percolators, the other one was cashmere he released. So cashmere and, uh, and green velvet, all that kind of stuff was really, uh, la la land was another one about taking too many drugs and, uh, just, yeah, fun and kind of like almost basic and, and in a way, like really fun ways to get into that kind of dance music for me. Um, so here we have a few samples, um, that, presumably those people have have pulled out of their record bags as well so we're talking like early 90s kind of dance stuff uh, as well there's a, a track called Lydell Townsend MTF called Get With You that's sampled here let's have a listen to that And here's the here's the cozy use of that sack track. It's a reminder. So yeah, those are very much like uh, they're small uses of those samples. They're not big marquee versions like uh, I feel of. They don't not see recognizable. They're most mm. Chicago house uh, artists. There's another sample in Cozy that leads and uh, is also used in Alien Superstar, um, which is by uh, Danube Dance, and the track is called Unique, and uh, you'll ref- it's referenced in the vocals as well. Unique, that's what you are. The vocals in that bit are incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's just- the Beyonce's the vocals in the the "That's What You Are." I have no idea how many layers of vocals she has on that, but it's like it gives me like a little <laughs> shiver. I'm like, oh, it's so good. That's my yeah. favorite song in the record, by the way. I think Alien Superstar is one yeah. of the songs of the year. Well, there's a few more songs so as well. There's a few more songs. Yeah, it's, there's bloody loads of them. I, I think it, it's the song with the most. Um, songwriters on it if you look at, at the right, credits yeah yeah it's and a it song with the most amount of credits on it a 20 minute speech um about uh mm. the outro yeah we dress certainly we walk certainly we talk a certain way yeah um and that is barbara and tear it's a speech called black theater which is also sampled in another uh, house track recently but i think they actually went to the the original uh, as well but yeah lucky day oh seven oh shake labyrinth and jay-z are all uh credited on this as well um, there is this sample as well, which is, I, I love the way it comes in on the track. Um, this is the Foremost Poets, a 1998 tra- track called Moonraker, New York artist. Please um, do not record. be alarmed, remain calm. 
Do not attempt to leave the dance floor. The DJ booth is conducting a troubleshoot test of the entire system. Somehow, while the party was in progress, an unidentified frequency has been existing in the system for some time. And while many of you have been made too brainwashed to comprehend, this frequency is and has become a threat to our society as we know it. This frequency has been used by a secret society in conjunction with Lucifer to lure and prey on innocent partygoers with hypnotism, synchropism. Please do not be alarmed, remain calm. Do not attempt to leave the dance floor. The DJ booth is conducting a tr tr troubleshoot test of the entire system. I'm one of one. I'm number one. I'm the only one. Don't even waste your time trying to come. My toxic trait is that I think all dance music should sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's what it should sound like. <laughs> I love Just it. Plain so much. Yava. I've been making uh, a. Uh, a playlist for Patreon, actually, and I haven't finished it yet, but it's mm. drawn mostly from very much like hip house, like the hip hop version of house music and all of the acts that were making stuff around that time. And I don't want to be, I, I, I don't think I'm going to, I think it's okay to have a playlist that just has 20 songs on it or like less. Cause I just, I, sometimes you kind of oh, go, yeah. oh, I should make a playlist with like 50 songs. No, I'm just going to actually make 20 nah. and leave it at that. So once I finish that, I'm going to, I think there's absolutely something to be said for brevity in a playlist. Yeah. I was only thinking about this last week. I yeah. was like, you need to do more shorter playlists. Cause like, why not? Like you don't need to, have I think 20, 20 songs, songs is perfect. For yeah, a playlist. Yeah. I really do. Well, I've got 13 um, that I'm happy with. I'm going to get a few more and then I'll, I'll put that on Patreon then. Patreon.com forward slash nine for that. Um, yeah. And then obviously the, uh, the most famous one in this track is unfortunately, like I was actually listening to this song last night and gone, it's a pity that they're, um, uh, right wing sympathizers or, uh, people because uh this uh right said fred uh song i'm too sexy is due a comeback because it has been yeah, I know. it has been taylor swift and future have both uh referenced this song or used this song or interpolated this song uh recently and so here we are again but uh, i think beyonce does it better she does it i'm too classy for this world forever i'm that girl let's let's hear that Alien superstar Whip, whip I'm too classy for this world Forever I'm that girl Feature diamonds and pearls Ooh, baby I'm too classy to be touched I beat them all in dust I'm still I'm Like, I'm, I'm levitating above the dance floor at that <laughs> stage Like, I am, I've ascended into a into a higher plane <laughs> if i hear this song out like <laughs> really love that yeah so much better better than right said fred that song was very popular when i was like young like yeah because it's a joke song I, it's a joke song yeah and I, but song. I, I was always like i don't i was like i don't really know what sexy means but i know that the adults think it's funny and they don't want me to know what it is okay, so I just, yeah. like it's so uncomfortable with it and it's <laughs> It's remained that way. I still can't really listen to that song okay. because I because I always knew that it was like a slightly bold song or something. Um, so well right. done, Beyonce, for okay. turning it into like probably the most melodically beautiful moment on the, on the album, um, <laughs> being a right said Fred interpolation. 
only her, you know, to be fair to her. Lovely. Well, let's move to your yeah. song uh, that you like, Church Girl, um, which has mm. a number of uh, samples. Now, it does have a... Love. The, the opening sample in this is one of my favorite moments in the record. This is it's very early Clark Kanye Sisters. or something. Mm. Center of my will. Let's hear a bit of that. This is, um, yeah, the Clark Sisters. Um, a lovely way of, of using the best that track. moment, I think, yeah, on the record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's yeah. stunning. It's great. The Clark that's sisters really were a, a Detroit-based gospel sisters, five of them overall. They've had a number of, uh, they were inducted into some sort of Hall of Fame recently uh, for recognition of their work. Um, I think Jay-Z actually sampled them as well in uh, mm. Family Feud. Hey Ya, Eternal Life, that was an amazing song. Listen to Hey Ya, Eternal Life by the Clark Sisters. Oh my God, what a song. I'm going to send it to you now if you haven't heard it. And uh, this is after, after, for your treat after we finish this. Uh, that is, uh, yeah, great song. Yeah, I have um, a feeling I'm going to get really, really into that gospel band from this record and I'll probably <laughs> listen to them more than, <laughs> more than I'll listen to Renaissance. But hey, that's, you know, I'm being educated in, in, um, yeah black musical history in america so <laughs> well that's it that's it and that's what i love about you know, music i love that's about point, that's what i love right? about sampling as well i love about mm. i love that you get to discover things or things are um laser pointed um and uh uplifted and illuminated and, and stuff that you know was just existing on youtube as well like there is mm. you know there is a, the first song on the on the record does a sample a youtube speech as well so you know there is or sorry the second track uh, cozy does do that as well so um there are those kind of things that are happening there. And this is another one. This is a guy called DJ Jimmy and where are they at? And this is uh, also sampled on a church girl as well. Let's hear that. It must be the pussy cause it ain't your face. It must be the pussy cause it ain't your face. It must be the pussy cause it ain't your face. It must be the pussy cause it ain't your face. Sorry, as we were discussing more interpolated there than anything else, but and there's also a Lynn Collins um, sample on that, which I didn't line up here, which is also on that track. That is a kind of a, an old soulful song from 1972. Um, and then finally, you heard a little bit of it there, but there's kind of a synth line there, which you can hear. Um, so this is from a song called Trigger Man by the Showboys. Let's hear this. Drag rap. The rhymes you are about to hear are true. MC's names have been changed to protect the innocent. The innocent. Go 
Oh, I cut that off very quickly. Uh, yeah, that <laughs> that was also sampled. That's uh, Trigger Man, uh, and it is a, a drum loop that's been used a lot. Drag rap, a bounce, very much a New Orleans uh, or like a bounce music uh, staple as well, and has been used in uh, sampled a lot of hip hop recently, including Drake's "Nice for What" and "In My Feelings." Uh, along with Little Wayne's ball as well. So it is it's a track that's getting a lot of use as well. So it's been used here. And I certainly there's a lot of bounce music being used on Renaissance as well. Uh, let's move to, um, well, one, one maybe this, this is a good example. I think this is, um, so everyone, when the track list, track listing was released, uh, people were like, Oh, America has a problem. Ooh, is Beyonce going to do her? Like, mm-hmm. he's going to finally, but this is America moment. Yeah. Yeah, it's not that because uh, if you're wondering what the answer to the question of uh, America has a problem is, if you know what what she's talking about, the answer is cocaine because it samples a song called Kilo Ali Cocaine. America has a problem, and this is what it sounds like. America, America, America has a problem. That's another song from uh, the early nineties, which very much a Miami influence uh, track as well. A lot of uh, Miami bass. Uh, it's actually a track out of Atlanta. I think it's 1919 specifically. And there are some of those references on the lyrics as well, which uh, Teak, uh, Tick uh, is the song that she ref. That's my, that's that moon Miami bass 12 in the trunk 808. And um, there is that, those references in there as well. Oh, actually, sorry. Before that, I wanted to I include that. So America has a problem. You can hear a little bit of it there. Um, there's this kind of uh, bass technique from the early to late 80s, uh, um, which was used by so Kevin Saunderson, a famous producer, uh, a US house producer. Um, I think I was actually at a talk of his a few number of years ago uh, in Berlin, um, which I think uh, may have referenced on his podcast. Anyway, um, along with Derek May and people like that, he... Uh, they actually were all in the same high school. Juan Atkins, Derek May, um, they all made this kind of music. I uh, went on to do uh, the likes of Inner City, Good Life, stuff like that. Then, but Respace is a technique essentially used by a lot of Kevin Saunderson's music. It's just the way that the bass sounds and it sounds like this. You can hear this a number of times uh, throughout the album as well.
so that's the track from uh, Reese, which is one of the pseudonyms that uh, he released music as. Uh, that is a song uh, from Kevin Saunderson. So, uh, 1988. That was a uh, so that kind of stuff became very influential. Into the Reese bassline is what it's called. You can hear it a number of times on the album as well. And uh, yeah, I just thought that was an interesting aside to that. Then Pure and Honey. Let's let's finish with that because there's a few different uh versions and things on this and i think this is probably the most um obvious kind of drag and uh ballroom kind of track on this right so it's kind of the one that feels like lyrically maybe the most it's we're it's having we're having a ball show we're doing a we're, we're doing a whole thing there's i feel like there mm. could be a video to this as well um now, one of the references, and I'm not sure 100% if it's actually sampled, but I keep seeing it uh, listed um, in a few different places, but not everywhere. Um, so again, Mr. Fingers, uh, a track called Mystery of Love, another very early um, kind of proto um, house music, uh, deep house music uh, track from Larry Hurd, who's uh, been around since the like late 80s house music and is still obviously one of the most influential artists around. Uh, he makes music uh, as Larry Hurd sometimes, but also as Mr. Fingers. And um, so this is a Mr. Fingers track. And you, I think Mr. Fingers was uh, sampled by Kanye and stuff as well recently. So this is Mystery of Love. So yeah, actually, that song is not the same one that was sampled by Kanye. That was Can You Feel It? But they are very similar and uh, you hear a lot of... Uh, there is there is people who say that on Pure and Honey, that track is sampled. I don't think it's sampled. I think it just sounds a little bit like it. Um, and less, more to the point, that's just exactly what it sounds like. Uh, it's that kind of vibe. But I definitely don't hear the same thing. So let's hear... There's a few different um, kind of chopped... Uh, versions of tracks here and it is are the most overt kind of ballroom and drag tracks so there's one called uh um forget any children around uh conti is the name of the track and it's kevin aviance so this is uh uh ad- kevin aviance is a, a drag queen from new york and uh this is a house single that uh, they released Feminine 
So you can see there, you can hear there, the, it was a bit long, but you can hear the um, that kind of bass re coming in there. And then uh, that song was kind of caught up a lot. And then this one as well from Mike Q. Uh, this is a ballroom DJ known for appearing on the, the HBO Max uh, TV show Legendary as well. A 2011 song this is. This is a featuring Kevin Jay-Z prodigy Feels Like, which is interesting. <laughs> So yeah, that is uh, probably the most. This is the most overt sample. This third version, which is comes towards the end of the track, which in the I, only portion of the song. I feel like the cha-cha slide owes that song <laughs> a credit. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> there's there's a bit where it's like cunt 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 cunt, which is the same as cha-cha real smooth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, get uh, on that. <laughs> yeah, that's what's credit the, where credit's know, due. What year yeah. is the Chas Chas slide? I think it was mm. maybe before, so it could be the other way around. Oh, uh, Chas well Chas is actually to the year two thousand. Do you know that? Was it the year two thousand? Yeah. And we that's, have be indeed. Wow, I can't believe it was it was only ten years ago. <laughs> liar uh, liar, liar. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the final sample we're going to use and this is the most overt one it comes towards the end of honey uh, as mm. you might know uh, if you're wondering where it comes from because certainly i was when i first heard this track i was like there's somebody i can almost see somebody voguing when this is happening this kind of ad-libbing it's the honey bit in honey uh moi Rene is, and miss honey is the track that it samples So there you go, that is um, Moi, Rene, Miss Honey. And obviously, you know, the one that I'm still not 100% sure on is Robin S. Uh, Show Me Love. Is it actually sampled on um, Break My Soul or does it just sound like it is? I'm not sure mm. 100% yet, but the credit is there uh, as a preemptive uh, reason. So, uh, yeah, as you can hear, there's plenty of especially house and bounce and uh, drag and ballroom related tracks uh, in there. So... Lots on Renaissance there, and uh, I think it's really used really well and use use mostly very subtle in a subtle way, and I think that's I mean it's done really well. Um, and obviously there's other samples in there like Tina Marie's Ooh La La, which is also an interpretation used in the Fuji's Fuji La 
as well. There's a, a sample on, on I'm That Girl from a, a Memphis rapper called Tommy Wright III, um, which kind of introduces the album. Like I said, there is always those kind of things with Beyonce where you're like, well, that's filtered through her own style. And, and mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying the album. Um, I'm not listening to it. I had a feeling you would when I, was, when I was listening to it. Um, I was thinking of you and I was like, there is so like, I know that one of your hobbies is going and finding what the samples are on a given record. <laughs> and I was like, Niall will be busy now. Niall will be scurrying off into the depths of his house music crates of records and using all your knowledge um, of of house music history um, and pulling these things out very excitedly. So I was very excited for you. Um, <laughs> and thank you for sharing all of that um, with those. Yeah, it's a nice way to, to struggle kind of, to do that. Yeah, it's a nice way to like um, experience the record as well. You know, and I mm. love that. I remember like recently with the For Those I Love record, there's so many good samples on that and so many. Yeah. It's an interesting way to like, it's like the lyrics, there's music, but then there's all the references as well. And obviously the lyrical references, but but you know, um, song references and samples are, are a whole other bag, whole other dimension sometimes, and depends how people use them. Uh, there's not a lot of usage here in terms of like it being used to underscore a point or a um, mm. particular sentiment, but it's more the vibe of it. And it is interesting that, yeah, whatever. I mean, I'm, I don't think Drake's doing it in quite the same way, but like, yeah, that uh, a lot of people are turning to this music. And I think we're going to see more of this because it is still, like we said, I was just thinking about that video during the week of, um, do you remember uh, a few years ago, maybe it was Coachella or something, some like YouTuber. And she's like, and I went to this gig and it was this guy called, and it was uh, these guys called Aphex Twins. Uh, oh, you yeah. know, like that's the depth of. Oh, I know, love of her. The, <laughs> yeah. The EDM, like the EDM vibe. It's not EDM, mm. EDM, EDM. Like yeah, EDM the sense a, in, by, by a lot of American people that electronic music and house music in particular is a European thing. Yeah, which is um, just so wrong. It's always very interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's so, so misplaced. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we are definitely going to get more of this. Um, because there is a sort of a economic index thing that suggests that house music and um, dance music becomes um, more popular and becomes the zeitgeist, zeitgeist music of the day when um, when we're on the brink of or in a recession um, or some kind of economic downturn, um, which I just, ever since I've kind of learned about that i've just been so fascinated by it i mean it makes sense it makes complete sense um and so even how beyonce mm, but even how beyonce has kind of spoken about this record right it is is interesting as a you know a means of escape for her over the past three years recording it escaping obviously not only the pandemic but yes the pandemic um which she would have experienced in a very very different way to the rest of us um but also um the the um civil rights issues that came up during that time as well um and are obviously still ongoing uh, and now the the sort of the there was also the election uh in the states and now there is the the economic impact of um a war in Europe and also um you know reckoning with with covid-19 and you know the dreaded cost of living crisis as well so like I, I do find it very interesting that the um our roaring twenties that we were all looking forward to, in terms of popular music, it does seem to be, you know, coming into play. Um it is it is 
pretty much what we expected to happen, which would be a move towards escapism. And, you know, uh, there's a, a lot of use of the word unapologetic about this album and albums like it um, and dance floors and forgetting your troubles and obviously, you know, quitting your job and all of that stuff, this kind of this fantasy world in which you don't have to worry about money and so on, um, which is, yeah, that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch as we do kind of sink further into economic despair. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I just wait, think that's I, I just, <laughs> I just think, I just think it's interesting. Um, and I mean, that, that is, that there, I, I, there was, where did I read a piece about that? Um, might've been on Vox or something. Um, but I mean, just, yeah, type, type into Google, like house music and, recession and you know loads of articles will, will come up about the correlation between the popularity of, of house music and and economic struggle struggle but um it's very very interesting to watch it's very very interesting and even if you look back at like the music that was popular in 2008 um in our last big recession you can see that it was it was dance music like it was it was big bangers so yeah, I think I think it's going to be this for a while and it is going to be this escapist thing. But what's interesting about what Beyonce is doing is that she I I I guess has taken um the escapism she's representing it in a different way and I guess she's doing it within a particularly black space and a particularly queer space which are the communities that were uh in America, you know, probably most affected. Um um, in the past, you know, couple of years, uh, during, during the pandemic and so on. So yeah, there's a, there's definitely a new lens that's being explored in terms of the escapist recession music, um, that we have seen over and over again. But yeah, this is definitely like the roaring twenties has arrived in terms of pop music now with, with Renaissance. Uh, it's been teased by quite a few artists, mostly female. Um, Drake did it, you know fine um but mostly female artists taking a turn for the disco um which is yeah fair enough great okay More, well I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing it whatever happens um that's it for us this week uh we'll be back next week possibly talking more about uh, uh some dance classic dance music as well we'll see how that goes but uh you have to tune in next week to find out uh mm. that's it now i'm getting out of this hot room and i'm presuming you are too <sighs> Yeah, I um, I don't know. I think I'm just going to go and sit in my freezer until next week. Yeah. So I'll be there for the next uh, seven days or so. Great. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Uh, I've been Niall Byrne, uh, a.k.a. Nine Nine, and you've been? Andrea Cleary, a.k.a. Conti. <laughs> 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 okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 